Good morning, church. My name is Toby, one of the pastors here. How are you doing? Oh, man, finally, there's a little bit of energy. Okay, so you want to do that again? Let's do that video. Are we ready to show that video? So kind of get us pumped up. It's not like a hype song or anything, but here we go. And I don't know if you ever paid attention to these things, but this has Jesus Christ the name, but friend of sinners and different things is written about Jesus in these videos. And it's and we find his character today. As uh, we see him encounter a man named Zacchaeus. So this is kind of our opening uh, video. And now finally, good morning church, welcome. (laughs) It's so good to see you. Yes, finally. All right, so um, today um, I want to open up with a question, okay? So um, my question to you is, what is your purpose in life? Have you ever thought about that, your mission in life? You are, why were you created I mean, there's a lot of things that you may be uh, thinking about, but what is your purpose of your life today? Um, And uh, we're going to discover what was Jesus's purpose of his life, which is really, really important. But, you know, think about your purpose of life, because no matter who you are, where you come from, what culture you were brought up in, that is a question that we do wrestle. I mean, we have to wrestle why on earth am I created? Why am I here? And, 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 you know, there's a lot of things that God has given you. There's a lot of things in your hands, whether it's your time, whether it's your ability, gifting. Maybe it is your finance. It is your influence. A lot of things that you have in your hands. And then what do we do with that? Because that is the key to really figure out what our purpose is. The world says this. The world says those things that is in your hands, that's all yours. You earned it. You were born with it. It's all yours. So, do it and use it for your happiness, for your glory. Now, you know, man, you need more. Keep getting more and more. And that's what the world teaches us. So the, that's the purpose of life, of what this world teaches us, is that we live for our own glory, fame, and achievements. But the Bible says that the things that God that is in your hand is what God has given you, whether it's your life, abilities, your gifts, Everything it is from God, and now it is because I have given to I want to use you to use that for others, for to help others. And thus the Bible says, you are living, we are living for the glory of God. So there's two ways of living, to live for the glory of God as we follow the world, or, or glory for yourself as we follow the world, or we live for the glory of God as we follow the word. There's a big difference. We can't mix them all together. We can't just two, take a bite of each. We can't two hold hands and then bite both at the same time. We can't. It's like oil and water. It will not mix. And in the life that we follow, it will take us to a complete different direction. So we do have a choice to make. And now, as we f- look through these things, we want to look at the purpose of Jesus' life. And the answer is already in Scripture, and it is the title of this talk today. It is that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Can we say that together? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was his purpose in life. That is the very reason why Jesus came on earth. Love came down and rescued us. And that was his purpose. And we, when we do encounter Jesus, your life will change completely. Not partially, but completely. Because you will discover a new purpose of life. Because you begin to walk with God 
the creator of the universe, and he calls you friend. I mean, that is a life that is different from anything that we lived before. And now we're going to start out by looking at the story in the life of Zacchaeus, who encountered Jesus, and that changed his life. He found his true purpose of life. So we're going to look into that. So if you have your Bibles, we are in chapter 19 of Luke. We've been looking from verse 1, from chapter 1, and now we have reached in chapter 19, verse 1. And we're going to look through that. And we've been looking at the journey of Jesus Christ, who grew up and, and did a lot of ministry in the region called Galilee, which is north of Israel. And now Jesus is making his way down to Jerusalem, and we've been following his journey to Jerusalem. And what is waiting in Jerusalem is the death on the cross. He will be crucified for the sins of humanity. And he has to do that because that is why he came to do. And now we are entering into that season as we look into the word of Jesus and, 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 and the cross in Jerusalem. But right before that, which is today, he stops at a city called Jericho. Jericho is right before Jerusalem. And this is where Jesus is. And then he enters and he meets a man. And we uh, look at verse 1 together. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. Who is he? What does his name mean? Do you know? Zacchaeus means holy and pure. As we give birth to our children, we, want, we have a desire, and we put a lot of weight in the name that we put on our child. And, and Zacchaeus meant that holy and pure, so his parents wanted him to live a life that is pure and holy before God. But life of Zacchaeus, as he ended up, was nothing close to what the hopes of his parents. His life was not pure, not holy. In fact, it was the opposite. It was impure, unholy, ungodly, full of greed. And that was his life. And now he was a tax collector. And what that is, is that Jericho is in the city, almost the city gates to Jerusalem. It's right by, so when people are traveling to go to Jerusalem for their religious rituals, they have to go through this city of Jericho. And whenever they do, people had to pay a tax or a toll to go through. And it was the job of the tax collector to get that money and then give it back to Rome because the Roman Empire was overseeing this whole country, whole region, and these tax collectors were selected or hired by the Roman Empire. So for the people, of the, these, these Jewish people that was living there had really some issue about these tax collectors because they were once their friends, but now they work for Rome. I mean, in their minds, tax collectors are ultimate traitors, and they're so furious about them because they just get their money. Tax collectors just took and swallowed up people's money like sharks because they were able, they were given the authority to take whatever margin if you want to. So in other words, the, the money that's supposed to go to Rome, they could add whatever portion that they want to so that that was their pocket money. But now we know that he's the chief tax collector. I mean, he's the top dog of these group of tax collectors, and he was filthy rich. Now, we all know that this is a corrupt business, and the people knew, and this is a man who is not worthy of any praise. And, and, and people just hated Zacchaeus. He was hated by all kinds of people, and he was despised everywhere he went. Every time G, G, uh, Zacchaeus goes out into town, people were like, they're like, hide the children. You know, we don't want to. And he, they're scared. They're, 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 they hate him, and they don't want to see any of that. 
So just imagine what kind of life he had. He had no friends. He had no buddies to go out to, to, to eat dinner with. You know, on a day off, he couldn't go bike riding with anybody. I mean, he was a lonely man. Just imagine, because everywhere he goes, he's despised. Loneliness was his. And now verse 3 says that he was short. So when you think about it, back then at the time, these people, these Israelites, the, the, the average height was about, for men, it was about less than five feet. So it was about right here, right? And now they thought he was short, which means he was about four feet something. He was, he was a lot smaller than them. He was a lot shorter. And just imagine, right, his childhood. I mean, kids are brutal, right? I mean, they'll just say how it is. They'll say, oh, here comes Zach, the, the, he's the midget. You know, they would say those things because he was... He was small, even from birth, and he was just made fun of all the time. I mean, just it's not hard to imagine a life of Zacchaeus. It was full of just this anger, maybe full of sense of inferiority. That was Zacchaeus. And so now, why do you think he chose that job of a tax collector? It could very well be that he wanted to get back to his haters. He, was, he wanted to prove them wrong that he is now achieving wonderful success while peop- he's eating from their money, right? I mean, that could have easily been his motivation, which is a very unhealthy motivation, but he, that could have been the very motivation of his life to take money from those who, who um, made fun of him. And, and now... He's able to buy everything he wanted. He has the riches. He has the, on the surface, he had a good life. He could buy whatever he wants. He's riding on a, a luxury camel. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's like back then, I don't know what he rode, but it's like into these days, it's like our luxury cars. He had his, he has yacht. He had his own plane. I mean, that was kind of the lifestyle. But then he's never fulfilled inside. Lonely, feeling inferior only friend was money that's the only thing he could trust with do you know anybody like that or maybe that was you before you encountered jesus or perhaps maybe that is something that you have elements of zacchaeus in you today unfulfilled not fully happy and he definitely was tired of his life he was he was at a point of his life where he's making all the money there's people working for him but being despised everywhere and he's doubting the purpose of his life like why on earth am i here like why am i in life not being fulfilling that was him and that's the day that's when he heard about jesus coming to jericho and that's when his heart start beating who is this jesus is he the real deal is he the god who he's saying he is is he the savior is he the messiah is he the healer because if he is i want to see him and now he went outside remember the beggar last time we talked about the blind beggar he went out and he looked for jesus well he did the same thing he went out the streets he's looking for it but but he was so short he couldn't see because people were you know up in his face so he couldn't see but i think there's more reasons to that I have a feeling that the people that were on the streets that were seeing Jesus, like, dude, here comes, here comes Zacchaeus. Here comes Zach. Let's box him out. You know, let, let's make a wall. That, 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 that may not, never, he encountered Jesus. Because he's the one who's taking all our money. We don't want him to be happier than now. So can you, I, mean, I have a feeling that the reason why he couldn't see Jesus wasn't just because he was short. It was he was blocked by other people that was on the streets. Because that was his life. 
And now we look at his life, and then he's desperate. So, he, you know, to his credit, he didn't give up. He found the sycamore fig tree. That was like a short tree that has, you know, like wide branches. So he went up, and, then he, and so this tree has big leaves. So behind the big leaves, he's trying to look for Jesus because he wants to see him, how he looks like. So can you imagine this? He's on the tree, scared to see Jesus because he knows he's not a good person. And, he, and then Jesus is walking, and you hear his footsteps. And Jesus is walking, and then the footstop all of a sudden stops right under him. And he's hiding behind his fig tree leaf. And then he, he takes slowly takes a peek at Jesus because he wants to see. And then what did he find? He saw Jesus' eyes looking right at him. Can you just imagine that dramatic scene that was? And you see in verse 5, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, that was the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. In the original Greek language, when you look at it, it talks about how he is supposed to be with him that day. He's supposed to meet him. He must meet him. And he is, that's exactly the reason why he came to Jericho, is to come to his place. Just imagine that encounter was. That was one of the, the most, the warmest and the kindest words that he's ever heard in his life. Just imagine what his life was and what took place that day. And it's like the walls of his heart, these ice cold walls that he had because he didn't want to trust anybody. His friend was just money and he had no friends. And all of a sudden the wall started melting down because of those words by Jesus. Verse 6 says, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. He welcomed Jesus gladly, not only to his heart, uh, his house, but his heart. And that word gladly, it, is, it appears nine times in the Gospel of Luke. And it is always, always associated and referring to the joy of salvation. That is why he was so glad, because he received salvation. And that's when his life changed. Verse 8 says that he's going to give back half of his possessions. He had a lot. And that he's going to get half to the poor because he had compassion for the poor. And now he says, I'm going to pay back four times as much as the amount that I've cheated. So, for example, like, you know, that's radical because at that time the law says, okay, if I, if I cheated from you, Let's say I cheated a dollar from you, right? The law says you need to pay back 20% more. So I would give back a dollar 20 cents and we'll be squared. So in that type of context, he says, I'm going to give four times as much. He's going to pay back four dollars. I'm going to give you four dollars. It was a lot. How many percentage more than I'm supposed to? We have a math professor and I'm just, uh, uh, I don't know the amount, but it's like crazy amount that is a lot more than he's supposed to. And he's like, I'm going to give back how just imagine all the money that he's been cheating off people four times as that is astronomical amount he could have been broke that very day but that didn't stop him from being overly generous and 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 compassionate because his heart was filled with the joy of salvation right so no longer money was the one thing that he was only thing that he was holding on to. He was able to release that because that money has no hold of him anymore. And that's 
That's what happens in our lives when you encounter Jesus because you're so touched by His love. Nothing that used to sustain you or nothing that used to hold you up no longer needs to hold you up anymore. You're held by the hands of God because you have the joy of salvation in your heart. And we thus overflow with the love of Jesus Christ. Right? That's our lives. That's what happened to Zacchaeus. That could be you if you have never yet welcomed Jesus into your life. Now, are you ready for the one of the most powerful passages in all Bible? We're going to read verse 9 and 10 on the screen. Can we read that together? Here we go. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Here it is. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That is Jesus' mission and purpose statement right there. He came to save and seek the lost. Zacchaeus was saved not because of his deeds, not because of how he gave back to the poor, because he trusted Jesus. And he set aside anything that's going to hinder him from obeying Jesus fully. So that's why he set aside all the money. He gave back all the money. Will you do that for him? Will you be obedient to say, I'm going to eliminate all the hindrances of, of whatever that is getting in the way for me to seek Jesus. I'm going to put that aside. Are you ready to make those intentional efforts? Because something may be getting in your way to see Jesus face to face. For Zacchaeus, it was money. What is it for you? Now, he may have continued to be a tax collector. We don't know what he did after that. But there must have been a major change in his attitude and his actions because, you know, his values changed. That day, he, was no, he, he became full of integrity and generosity, as we already know. I mean, but he was gifted in numbers. God has given him that. So I'm sure whatever he chose to do, he used that gift for the glory of God. What will you use? What is in your hands? What is the gift that you will use for the glory of God? But his life overflowed with love of Jesus and compassion. And the most awesome thing is his purpose became clear. He's going to live not for his own glory, but for the glory of God. And now he's going to partner with Jesus in his missions. What is Jesus' mission? It is to save, to seek and save the lost. And that's exactly what he inherited that day as his mission and his purpose of his life. Now, after Jesus shared this purpose statement and this encounter with Zacchaeus and one of the most dramatic stories, he goes on to teach a parable. And he is a story to teach us about how we partner with God's mission. But also, it is also a parable that clarifies or clear a misunderstanding that was there. The misunderstanding people was that Jesus is going to Jerusalem and people thought that he's going to overthrow the Roman Empire that was in charge of all their lives. Now, Jesus is going to establish his kingdom right here, right now. So they expected a political and a militaristic movement that very time. Jesus is going to do this. So Jesus had to clarify that misunderstanding. Therefore, verse 12, he shares this gospel. Let me read this to you. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. That key is to return, okay? Now, so he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minas. And minas is, is, is about 200 denarii, which is equivalent to about six months of wages. So it's a lot of money. So that times ten. Right? So now each 10 of the uh, servants are receiving one mina each. Here we go, verse, uh, middle of verse 13. Put this money to work, he says, until I come back. 
But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want him, man, his, this man to be our king. There's, there's a lot of opposition as well. Now, verse 15, this is like much, much later, he was made king. However, and now he was ki- made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out that they have gained with it. So this man that became king represents Jesus. And these servants, obviously, it represents each of us, those who he trusts. He's not taking down Rome anytime soon, but his plan is much bigger than that. He will come back and over everything. He will be the king. Now he's talking about the second coming of Christ. He will establish his eternal kingdom eventually. We have yet to see that yet. But also that means that the judgment of the world is coming. So that is when he is coming back to judge and to rule, right? And that's this anticipation that this this parable is teaching. So the teaching for us is that now we know he's coming back. What are we supposed to do in the meantime as we wait? Whether it's the day where we die, where we encounter Jesus face to face, or whether it's the day where Jesus returns, we don't know which comes first, but when that day comes, we are accountable for something. How are we supposed to live that time? Jesus expects us to use whatever means that is in your hand that God has given you. It does not have to be just money. It's about your gifts, abilities, your influence, how, whatever it is that is entrusted in your hands. What have you done with it? to expand the kingdom, to grow the kingdom, to go and seek and save the lost. What have you done with that? That is what Jesus expects an answer for. And, this, and the parable goes on to say, the servant A, the first servant says, I made 10 minas. And Jesus goes, you know, well done, my servant. I'm going to entrust you with more in the eternal kingdom. And then the next son says, I made five minas. And then Jesus says the same thing. And the third servant, servant C, came and says, I, d- I did nothing. I have, this is one mina you've given to me. I'm just going to give this right back to you. I mean, the issue wasn't how much that was made. I mean, that is important to God, but that isn't the issue here. Because, yes, we're all saved by the grace of God. It isn't our deeds that save us. But it is a trust issue between him, between Jesus, and the servant number C. Because he had an issue of trust. See, while A, the servant A, servant B, and the rest of the seven servants, they were happy to be working with Jesus and the money that he's left with. And he's partnering Christ. I mean, that was their joy. But for number C, for this servant, he misunderstood the master completely. He felt that he was an unjust master. He is angry. And because of that, I am so fearful to do anything with it because he's going to take away all that I've gained. I'm not going to do anything. He misunderstood the master totally. And that made him not trusting in him. And that was his issue. He couldn't trust the master who trusted him with his position. That led to his inactivity. That led to that Mina being taken away to give into some other person, the other person that was fruitful. I mean, this is the reality that that this is teaching us. And so what do we learn from this? What are you doing with your life, the gifts and the things that God has entrusted you with? Because there will be a time where he's going to ask you, what did you do with it? As Christians, we got to ask ourselves, are we okay right now? How are we doing? How can we not be like him? Because we cannot afford to be like servant C. We've got to be serious about what God was serious about. 
which is salvation. That passion of Jesus has to be our passion. He came to seek and save the lost. Is that your burning desire to see people come to be saved? Because that has to be what drives us and our motivation. And now we also got to be thankful for the things that Jesus has done in your life. He saved you. And now because of that, we are thankful. And now we're going we're gonna to live with that thanksgiving. We cannot forget how we've been saved. And then we trust in the God who trusted you with his position. And we trust the result in his hands. He's going to take care of that. But we got to know that we get to take part in something big. Maybe it's a small part of something big, but we get to partner with God. Isn't that something that excites us? So therefore, you know what? Let's take some risks. Let's not play a safe like serve and see. Let's take some risks. Let's ask the hard questions. Let's go out there and do something that God has given you desires to do without being scared of the outcome. This is what we could learn from this story. Even if you can't do much, maybe your strength is failing. Maybe you're getting older. Maybe you've gone, you've lost a lot of your position. Even if that's the case, inactivity, doing nothing is not an option. Because Jesus told the servant, see, you could at least put it in the bank where you would have made some interest. So why don't we do that too? If we can't do anything, at least put that mina in the bank. What does that mean for us? Endorse, invest in somebody who can grow the kingdom. Doing nothing is not an option. Let someone else grow the kingdom and you take time to mentor this person, maybe spend time with this person, but you're investing in the future. What is your purpose in life, church? How will you use the unique giftings and the and, and, and things that he's given you to partner with Jesus' mission to go and to seek and save the lost? This past week, I got to witness one of the most, most beautiful things in my life, it's, um, it is somebody accepting Jesus as his Savior. Mr. Masa Tanaka g- goes to our Japanese service at 930, and this is his picture right here. He accepted Jesus Christ that night at our Bible study. He accepted Jesus. And do you have the picture? He's the only person that's not smiling. <laughs> but, but, you know, there is a look of just this peace in him that he finally, because he was seeking Jesus. And he's like, ah, it doesn't make sense, but I kind of make sense. But then we asked the question, will you make the leap of faith that, and he says, yes, I'm going to trust. And that is the picture. And everybody's rejoicing with the angels in heaven. And we are rejoicing. And then you, you see the, the, the lady next to her. Her name is Sachiko, his wife. She became a Christian 24 years ago. And she's been praying for that night for 24 years for her husband to be saved. It was such a beautiful, marvelous moment. And I realized, man, that's what church is all about. We pray for those far from God. And when that person comes to Christ, we celebrate with the angels in heaven. That's what church is all about. I realized, you know, even though I was saved, I fell away from God, fell away from church. And I was wandering, not just me, but my wife, too. And, you know, she's right there. But, you know, it is our our mothers that was praying for us in the church, praying for us to come back. 
And when we did come back, they embraced us. I mean, that's what church is all about, right? For someone that was lost to be saved again or be saved for the first time. That's what our church exists for. That's why all our ministries, all our giving, all our services, our volunteer efforts, which we're going to thank everybody later, you know, our focus must be to reach the lost, to reach with the love of Jesus so that they may encounter Christ. There's a lot of Zacchaeuses still out there, you know, those who are feeling lonely, feeling inferior, and hiding behind a fig tree leaf because they're so scared to encounter God. But they're curious, but they're hiding, maybe under the, up on the tree or under the, under the leaves. They're still out there. Let us be the ones who are seeking them because Jesus isn't here. He is in you. He wants to use you and partner with you to fulfill his mission. Will you partner with Jesus to fulfill that mission? Because the reality remains the same. Verse 27 of Luke 19. This is really, really powerful, yet very hard to receive. But it is says right here. But those enemies of mine who do not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Obviously, this is a parable. At the end of the parable, Jesus says this. In other words, there is a reality that death and judgment for those who oppose God is a reality. And for that reason, Jesus cannot stand seeing those people be punished and to be judged. So therefore, he wants us to partner with him to go and seek and save the lost. We will, each one of us as Christians and as a church, will be asked, what did you do knowing that reality? Because that is a true reality. It's sobering, isn't it? I want to end with this story that I heard about in Canada. It's a little town. And a family went to go berry picking one afternoon, a Saturday afternoon. There was a little boy, his name was George. Little George right here. He, as the, church, as the family went to, um, went to berry picking, they parked the car and they saw George was sleeping. It was a tired. So it was like, all right, let's crack the windows open and we're just going to be right there. So we're going to leave and let him sleep for a little bit more as we ch- pick some berries. Well, about five or ten minutes go by and they, the parents came and checked on George. He was missing. He was gone. Maybe he's a kid now. Maybe he left on his own. We don't know. He was four years old. So he's very well capable of leaving too. And they panicked. They started looking. Can't find George anywhere. He called the police. The police came. Can't find him. Helicopters and dogs came and people came. The 200 people of that town all came out to look for George together. Saturday started to get dark and the night started falling. It became cold. It became wet. Still no sign of life. Everybody's panicking. So they all got together and through the whole entire night, all 200 of them and maybe more, just started looking for George. Couldn't find him. Sunday morning came. Can't find him. And by that time, you know, the, the crew was about 300 people. All the town people came out and looked for George. Saturday noon came. 24 hours has passed since last time he saw. Everybody's starting to lose their hope. Is he dead? Is he kidnapped? Is he in another 
country right now. I mean, those minds kept going through in their minds, those thoughts in their mind. Just imagine how devastated people were around 6 p.m., early evening, evening. Someone called out. We found him. He was in the bushes. He was malnourished. He was dehydrated, but he was alive. Just imagine all 300 of them began to cheer and roar and celebrated the life that once thought they were lost. It was lost, but it is alive. I heard about that story and I thought, that's church. We rejoice when we find someone who we thought was lost, but now saved. So thus we are united. We got to be united. We can't be separated. We can't be broken up. We got to stick together and to serve God's purpose to go and save the lost. Together we rise to continue Jesus' work of salvation. Will you do that? Let's do that together. Here are our weekly challenge. All right, so if you have your phones, if you could take a picture of this, take a picture and then save it for you for later. And then just sometime during the week, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, look at that question and ask yourself these. It is to challenge yourselves. So no, let's read Luke again. What is the message you receive from Zacchaeus or the parable of the servant's story? And now grow. How could you use something in your hands, whether it's your gift, time, finance, your influence, whatever it is, to help Jesus fulfill his mission to go and seek and save the lost and then overflow? Look for the Zacchaeus in your life. He is the one that is lonely. He is the one who is hiding. He needs the living hope of Jesus Christ. Or maybe she, okay? Zacchaeus could be a girl, okay? All right, but let's find him or her and talk to him or her this week sometimes. I want to do something different today. We always close in a word of prayer, but I want to ask you today, would you stand up with me and then find some neighbor and hold hands with somebody? We don't need to make a circle or anything, but find somebody as we pray together. And the worship team can go up in the stages at this time. So would you rise and then hold hands if you are able to, but make sure you are linking up your hands with somebody. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this service as we could pray together in your son's name that we are thankful for what you have done in our lives. You have met us. You have encountered us. You have saved us. So now with that joy of salvation overflowing from us, give us the compassion and the love and the, and the grace of Jesus Christ as we look around the world. There are Zacchaeus is all out there. They're still waiting to encounter the living hope of Jesus. May we as a church, as Christians, fellow believers, the family of God, the brothers and sisters in Christ, may we always put our minds and hands and efforts together to go and seek and save the lost that are still out there. May this be a church where people could find you genuinely encounter you may we not be the crowds that were trying to block the way of Zacchaeus encountering Jesus but making intentional efforts for people to come in and to encounter the living hope Jesus Christ who saved us who came to this world into the darkness he brought us the light he encountered us in profound way and now our life has changed now we choose to glorify you O father Instead of glorifying ourselves, may our purpose be that our lives, our gifts, our hands to be used to 
partner with the mission and the purpose of Jesus Christ who came to seek and save the lost. We praise you continuously. May our praise never end. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children says, amen. All right, church. Let's praise God together. He's going to do this in your life. Would you believe him? All right, keep standing. We're going to sing.